This programme was produced at and first aired on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, MPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irorangi Onatangata o Manawatu. It is a Tuesday morning, uh, looking at my diary to remind myself. Uh, and it is time to look at Horizons Regional Council. And in the studio, uh, not in the studio, on the phone actually, we have Fiona Gordon, Councillor for Horizons. Good morning to you. Good morning, Morena. Um, I was just speaking to you off air before we started. I think the last time uh, we were scheduled to interview you, uh, I think I bailed, uh, if memory serves, due to a clash of schedules. So it's great to have you back on uh, and talking about some of the things that have been going on at Horizons. Um, And let's start with quite a neat one, actually. uh, Horizons have just announced a new climate change fund. Tell us about that. Yes, so this is the inaugural uh, Community Climate Response Fund, which is, I think, um, it's timely and it's pretty exciting. Um, so anybody that listens to me um, heading into, uh, you know, putting my hand up to be on regional council, we're talking a lot about community empowerment. And um, I think that part of that process of empowering our community is obviously providing resources, including funding for, for what our community is already doing. Um so, I, yeah, it's great to see this Climate Response Fund uh, finally uh, come to fruition. And so it's all about assisting our community with ideas and projects that they might have that are focused on building our resilience to the effects of climate change um, and also supporting people in their transition to that carbon-neutral regional economy. Yeah, so, that's so it'll be a- very interesting to see what... What, what comes what what applications come our way so this isn't about uh, trying to reverse climate change necessarily um, maybe that's too big a picture but certainly improving as you say the resilience of the community yeah that's right um, yeah anything that people are doing that they think is somehow contributing to ensuring that their communities will be you know resilient to the effects of climate change in the future we know um, you know, we're going to be dealing with uh, weather changes. Uh, we see them now. Uh, you know, there might be ideas and projects that people have um, various things. I'm thinking even around, uh, you know, things like wetlands, um, areas like this, uh, but also looking at how we can transition to that carbon neutral economy. Um, how do we reduce our carbon emissions uh, in general? Uh, and, you know, I, like, I don't have too many ideas. It's going to be really interesting to see what our community are already thinking about. And I think that's the key for me, is that I, I like the fact that the Regional Council is not preempting what people might be might be doing or thinking about doing. I think it's great that people have got the opportunity to come up with their own ideas um, to, to get on to get on with this together. And this is this is, uh, I assume, limited to sort of community spaces and, and and areas that the public can visit. This isn't something that someone could uh, apply for funding to address things on their own land, for example. Oh, uh, I think there, there could well be scope for that. Um, 
all of the criteria is on the website and anyone that's interested um, just needs to uh, jump on the Horizons Regional Council website and have a look at, I'll tell you what the name of the page is, it is Grants and Sponsorship page, the whole list of uh, funding opportunities that are available there and have a look at the criteria including what's eligible and what isn't. Uh, so each one is slightly different and I wouldn't like to put anyone wrong uh, trying to remember them off, off, off the cuff today. But have a good look. I think that we've tried to cast the net as wide as possible. And uh, I guess if people's ears are pricking up now, obviously they can go to the website, but they'll want to know how much money they can get. How, how big's the fund? Yeah. Well, I, I actually was just double-checking that. I'm not sure what the total amount available is, but my understanding is there's up to $15,000 uh, funding per project available. Uh, but I will be looking in at uh, checking in on how much total is available. Actually, it's been something that's on my mind. Mm. And uh, I, I mean, fifteen thousand dollars is not insignificant, particularly if you're looking at the likes of community-driven uh, projects where they're volunteer-based, and, and you're not paying for people's time. So there's a lot there that could go into resources and materials to address some pretty big issues. I should think. I hope so. I think, uh, yeah. I, I think there's a really great opportunity here. I mean, looking at some of the other funds, you know, sometimes uh, an idea simply needs to kickstart with a thousand dollars. You know, sometimes it needs far more than that. It might need, you know, uh, ten or fifteen. So I think every project's different, and whether it's big or small, uh, put your application in. And, and and you know, if you're needing a little bit of a fund or a little bit more, give it a shot because I mean, you know, these funds are there to ensure that. Across the board, we're all doing what we can. You know, regional council has only got um, so much resourcing and so many uh, staff, etc. And you know, when I look at the community, we've got so many people out there doing some fantastic projects off their own bat. Um, if we can support that, then you know, we're just doubling down on what what we can achieve together. And uh, as we've discussed many times on the catch-up, the Horizons Rohe uh, is expansive and massive and actually goes beyond yes. where NPR broadcasts. So I guess if anyone knows of projects uh, somewhere else in the Horizons boundary, do pass it on. I guess across that whole area, there must be countless uh, opportunities uh, to apply. Yes, absolutely. And we've seen this with the, um, we've got the Biodiversity Community Grants um, coming up again that will open soon as well and I think last year we had oh, it was just over around a million dollars worth of projects in terms of applications well of course we only had around $250,000 to support those so we couldn't say yes to all of them uh, I think we ended up supporting 21 projects across the whole region and they really did range um, right across uh, the Rohe. So, and, and they range from things like wetlands and dunes, restoration for pest control and weed control. There was uh, fencing um, of bush remnants and lots of replanting. So, you know, huge range of, of work that our community is doing. And um, that's just in the biodiversity space, but definitely it's across the region. Uh, and, and, you know, the more we can spread that funding out uh, to reach anyone that's doing this great work, uh, the better. Isn't it always the way that the uh, applications outnumber the amount of money available? Uh, let's talk a little bit yeah. more about that biodiversity fund. I guess my first question is, can you see any crossover um, and an opportunity for people to maybe apply for both the climate change and the biodiversity fund, or are they quite separate pools? Uh, well, there are, two, there are two separate pools of funding. Uh, so there's funding set aside for each of those uh, funds. But uh, I 
from from memory when I've looked at the criteria, I think if you're already receiving funding through another avenue from Horizons, uh, you possibly can't pick up on more funding for the same project through another uh, funding pot. Mm. So again, just going back to the criteria and eligibility on the website there, um, or give someone a call at Horizons, I'm sure that they'll be able to put people people right on that score, but I'm pretty sure you can only apply for the one fund at a time. And uh, you, you mentioned, obviously, uh, last time, 21 projects funded through the Biodiversity Fund. Can we whet people's appetites with some examples of what's uh, been successful in the past? Oh, yes, we can. So, let me have a little, there's quite a list. <laughs> um, and, on, and on that note, you know, like I said, there's a real range here, um, not just across the region, but in terms of the size of, of each project. Uh, so examples I can give you here, we've got Bushy Park in Whanganui, um, and they were reintroducing, looking to reintroduce the riflemen to a fenced sanctuary. Uh, we've got some work at Castle Cliff through Coast Care, uh, a restoration project there, including control of weeds, and that's replanting dunes and so forth. We had some work approved for the Friends of Tai Happy Society in Rangitike, and they are looking at willow removal from the Hautapu River. Uh, we've got some projects in Horofanua around wetlands in June, uh, and that was around restoring the Māori of the whenua and mana of the people. Uh, let me have a wee look here. There's such a great list. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like there's plenty going on there. Yeah. And uh, is is the fund going to be the same amount this year? To, I think you said 250000 Yes, well, and of course, I think that's a really good point. Thank you for raising that. Uh, I think in previous years, it, w- it was actually less than $250,000. Uh, it was far less than that. So we've already managed to increase it to the two fifty. And I mean, my, my sense of things is that if the community continues to show um, a great demand for this fund, I think there's a very good opportunity to put it to council to to increase that budget further. You know, I think that the more that the community on the whole can support, um, you know, these individuals and groups doing this great work, the better. So, yeah, keep, keep the applications rolling in because it just shows we've got this huge demand there um, for the funding and not necessarily all the, all the uh, funding to, to back people up. So... As long as there's a demand, I think we need to be challenged about how we can meet that demand. Very good. Uh, let's keep on the, the money theme uh, for the next little while because uh, there's also a scholarship round com- coming up. Yes, there is. So we have the Don Linklater Memorial Bursary, which is an annual uh, bursary that is opening now. Um, and we look to support up to four recipients of that, and there's a total of $8,000 available. And so that, that fund... I've been involved with it each year, and and again, we get a good suite of uh, applications in for anyone studying in areas of um, uh, work that Horizons Regional Council undertakes. So it could be environmental planning, uh, could be hydrology work, uh, you know, a whole range of um, also engineering actually. So there's quite a range of uh, professions and careers uh, that Horizons and the region needs to, to keep things working, and. Um, this is an opportunity for the regional council to to help those students uh, pursue their their studies. Um, so, so is that, I mean, it is literally a, a sort of contribution towards study. Obviously, that's what a scholarship is. Yes. I, I, I'm interested. Uh, it's called the Linklater Bursary. Was this a, a gift to Horizons? Uh, it's, so it was in it's a memorial bursary for Don Linklater. 
I'm not sure um, how it started. It was before I was on council, uh, but it's in his memory. I'm not sure where the, uh, whether the funding comes, um, if that's strictly from ratepayers or if it's from some other area. Fair enough. We are here with Fiona Gordon on the catch-up. She is a councillor for Horizons Regional Council, finding out what's going on across the Horizons. Rohe, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, you can head to the website, npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your online listening. Uh, We'll turn away from um, money uh, and applications uh, for a moment because uh, sitting around the council table a few things going on um, you're looking at bylaws for the river at the moment Yes that's right so the uh, the Manawatu River Navigational and Safety Bylaw is under review uh, and so that will be announced publicly in the next few months so do keep an eye out for that there will be an opportunity for the public to, to make submissions on that uh, bylaw it's, it's just a review the bylaw has been in place for for gosh, more than well, more than ten years, fifteen plus years, um, and we've been working and in, in behind the scenes there, I guess, talking with our river user stakeholders and of course our iwi partners uh, to see what needs to uh, be modernised about that particular bylaw, looking to the next ten years. Obviously, uh, safety will be at the forefront of a number of people's minds when it comes to the river after the the, the tragic, uh, you could almost call it a spate of drownings. Um, is is that something that's been discussed around the table in terms of amendments? Yes, it has. Although the uh, the the thing with this bylaw is, it's very much around navigational safety, uh, not so much swimming safety, so to speak. Although, of course, you have to consider where parts of the river are being used um, for you know particular uses like you know there are clearly areas of the river that people prefer to use for swimming other areas that people prefer to use for for boating or for jet skiing etc so we're really uh, mindful of that but it's primarily around navigational navigational safety but can I say yes a, a truly uh, tragic um, course of events uh, over the Christmas and New Year period indeed. So when you say uh, the, the the navigational uses of, of the river, I mean, what sort of things can people uh, potentially suggest? I mean, are we talking about sort of uh, visual navigation aids or are we just talking about restricting what, what traffic can go where? Mm. Uh, well, so the, this uh, bylaw is very focused on speed limits um, along the Manawatu River and tributaries. So... Uh, it's, it's really largely keeping people safe, uh, especially where there's more than um, one or two, two uses in play at any one time. Uh, so if you've got people on yachts, um, canoes, plus you've got some people on jet boats or, or other forms of watercraft, um, you know, we have to be mindful about what speed is appropriate. So that's been in place for some time. Uh, we're not envisaging at this point too much change, but we've had some really good discussions with all of the stakeholders and our area partners. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye out for it. And uh, like any of these processes, it's the opportunity to to put in a submission and have your say around what we're what we're suggesting moving forward.
We we hear regularly, uh, you know, the the focus on on the river is uh, a, a prominent one, and, and and justifiably so. When we talk about the the health of the river, and you know, the swimmability of the river, obviously there are times when people shouldn't be swimming, um, particularly after bouts of of heavy rain, for example, because it churns up the the, the sediment and and all the the, the bad uh, germs and things and bacteria come through the water. Does people use of the river particularly with boats and jet skis does that contribute down the line to that sort of stirring up of the of the the, the germs and bacteria I, well, uh, that hasn't come up in discussion so i'm not aware of that being a, a cause of any concern no Fair enough. I was just trying to figure out because, I mean, most people would say, you know, a couple of boats on the river wouldn't have that much of an environmental impact or or impact the swimmability. Mm. But that's from a a sort of a layman's perspective. Uh, And of course, Mm. the the health of the river is, is paramount to everything. Yes, yes. Um, let's uh, move on because the other thing that's currently being reviewed at the moment is you're, you're looking at the. It seems public transport's always under some sort of review or another, but there's another one coming up. Yeah, so we've currently got the regional um, public transport plan uh, that we've been working on, and that will be. Um, I'm not sure of the exact date, but that should be uh, out towards the end of this year. And again, a lot of uh, consultation um, and discussion going on on there, and I think. One of the takeaways for me, it's the first time I've been involved in the um, the review of such a document. You know, transport planning is a very new in terms of my portfolio and experience, but it's been really interesting discussion and, and particularly around government um, mandates to decarbonise the public bus fleet um, by 2035 um, and, you know, thinking about how that might impact um, the provision of our, of our regional sort of bus fleets and networks. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting to have that sort of mandate coming from central government. Uh, and of course, at the moment, there's this whole conversation going on, uh, quite a bit of pressure on the government to, I think people are calling for free public transport, aren't they? Um, yeah, so it's an interesting space to be, to be working in, and I'm sure that people will be very interested in that towards the end of the year. Mm. The the of the bus fleet is an interesting one because Horizons don't own the buses. You can't just sort of sell them all off and buy a whole load of electric buses. You've, you've got to work with uh, the contract holder um, for public transport in the area. What I mean, realistically, how much pressure can you put on them to decarbonise? Mm. I think that's a really good question and it's something I've been asking myself going through this process. Um, what I what I can say is that there's um there's a, a requirement for urban buses. It's essentially well, it, this is very layman terms in my speak here, but it basically sets out what um, the expectations or sort of a, a warrant of fitness, if you like, for urban buses. And um, looking at that, uh, I can see that there are changes coming through there that will require changes to the urban bus providers. You know what those buses actually. Um, are, you know, whether they remain diesel or they're zero emission. So I think that I think that if, if it all if it all heads in the same direction, uh, the, the pressure will come on from a number of areas, not just from um, the regional council. You know, it's certainly coming through from that central government perspective as well. Uh, if the government decides to subsidise uh, and thus make public transport free, would that free up Horizons to bolster the, the schedules and the routes and, and put more in? 
Uh, I, I really can't answer that, Frida. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, the, I have no idea what the impact of offering free uh, public uh, bus services would would have, um, you know, financial impact-wise. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that would all work, to be fair. I don't think we've had the time yet to have that conversation and understand what the implications would be. Um, it's going to be an interesting next few weeks with the pressure going on for uh, central government to to look at free public transport indeed, but not sure about the financial implications of that and what that would do in terms of freeing up um, you know, other opportunities. Strikes me that free public transport could actually be uh, somewhat detrimental because that would obviously mean uh, the removal, I would have thought, of the buzz card, which the, the, the council have put a lot of stock on because it allows you to monitor bus usage far better than people just paying fares because people are expected to tap their card when they leave the bus as well so you know how people are interacting with the service. And that, that, that wouldn't be possible moving forward. Well, I think it's like anything. Um, you know, I was hearing the other day someone was saying on the radio that, you know, in terms of the current move to uh, even halve the cost of public transport, um, is that that's all well and good. However, it's actually harder to implement that because the councils need time to change their systems to allow for those half price fees and. Uh, the, the person was saying that actually it would have been faster just to go straight to you know free beer, <laughs> but uh, you know faster to implement. But like anything, like you know sometimes when things are free, they don't people associate less value with them as well. So I think there's a lot to consider when when you um, you know make a significant change like that. Mm. Uh, and you know, like you've mentioned, one of them is can we still monitor? Uh, what the transport system is providing for people if we take away um, that monitoring base. Mm. Uh, if, if someone could uh, make a note as well when this uh, review comes around, uh, some of the new buses are very ugly. <laughs> are they? Is it, is it the colour? No, it's because, you know, a bus is normally this sort of homogenous unit, but these new buses look like they're truck cabs with a bus back end bolted on. They're very ugly. Very ugly. Don't like them at all. all right. Um, I'll, I'll pass that on to the transport team for you, Fraser. <laughs> thank you very much. I'd appreciate that. Um, <laughs> listen, not uh, associated with Horizons necessarily, but um, you're, you want to champion the urban eels. Yeah, so we've had some really great news for urban eels. Um, yes, not with my, my councillor hat on, but with my uh, Gordon Consulting hat on, uh, the Urban Eels Project, very proud to say that uh, we have been awarded a International Planning Award. The Commonwealth Association of Planners um, gave the Urban Eels Project an award for outstanding planning for cultural heritage and, um, and the natural environment. So that we felt pretty chuffed about that. So it's nice to be able to give a bit of a shout out to everyone that's contributed to that project and uh, made it what it is. And, of course, the community, because if it wasn't for the community out there enjoying the place, uh, we wouldn't have so much to celebrate. Now, you, you, you emphasise the word everyone. I gather this was a, a, a fairly collaborative initiative. Absolutely. So, yeah, right from right from the very start uh, was, well, I guess, a partnership between um, Tane Nui Rangi Manawatu Incorporated and myself, and then we reached out to the City Council, Horizons, Mass University, uh, Te Manawa, 
Um, of course, we had uh, Hapu in there as well. So very much collaborative process and, you know, in terms of the funding to get the whole project underway, they came from various sources, including the Manawatu River Leaders Accord um, community funding there. So, yeah, very, very collaborative process. And I guess that these awards have been great because from a planner's perspective, um, it's celebrating the planning process, um, which kind of gets the project up and running and, and takes it along to a place where we can start to build it and create a space, which we've done. So we often celebrate the actual place that we create, but sometimes we forget to also celebrate the process that got us there. So I've been pretty chuffed um, to share that um, with everyone involved here. Now, um, with a, a couple of minutes left in the interview, we're only about six months away from the next round of uh, local uh, local government elections. Um, are you looking forward to this with the new Māori wards? What's it, it, just remind us how the makeup of council is going to to change as well. Yes. So, gosh, is it only six months away? I better start planning. Um, yes. So, the at the moment. Um, We've had to go through a review process for our constituencies, etc. I believe that we should have that confirmed um, in the next little while, in the next few weeks, I imagine, or months. But essentially what we have put forward is that we will have um, 14 councillors in total. There will be the, the, the same constituencies that have always been there, um, so that's for the 12 councillors. Uh, and then also there will be two uh, councillors from uh, two Māori wards. So that's where the total of 14 councillors comes from. So we'll be a bigger council. Um, we looked at different ways that we could keep the numbers a bit lower. Uh, it just didn't work in terms of good representation from each of the communities. So, yeah. That was our decision was to, to move to 14 councillors. Uh, there'll be two Māori constituencies for, um, for those on the Māori electoral role. And uh, unlike uh, the district or city councils uh, around where people vote for a mayor, uh, the chairperson of Horizons Regional Council is is appointed from within once uh, everyone's elected. Is that is that something that's legislated by central government for a regional council, or is that something that Horizons has chosen to do? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, I believe that it is how regional councils are set up under the Local Government Act. Fair enough. I'll have to go. And, I'll have to go and check that. But I, I, I'm, I'm sure that the regional council chairs are elected by the council laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're quite right. The mayors and of the cities, etc., are um, voted in by the the wider community. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you going to be throwing your hat into the ring for re-election as a councillor in the elections? Have you made that decision yet? Yes, I will be. Marvellous. Fiona Gordon Gordon from Horizons (laughs) Regional Council, thank you for joining us on the catch-up this morning. Thank you. Have a wonderful afternoon. There we go. Uh, Fiona Gordon there from Horizons on the catch-up. Join us tomorrow at half past eight. We'll have Matt Dallas from the Manawatu Standard joining us uh, to see what they've been reporting on over the past week or so. Also on Thursday, Mayor Helen Warboys will be joining us uh, to catch up on what's happening in Manawatu District Council. And Tangi Utikeri will join us on Friday. Have a great day. Bye for now.
support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.